All right, well, back here's the deal. Today we have the founder and CEO of the Spartan Race. Listen to the full episode because at the end of the episode, guys, you're gonna get the details of something pretty exciting for the Adaptive Alphas community. Again, there's pro you probably have more questions than when I started this video. If you guys don't know who Joe DeSena is, his principles, his philosophy, his rules of life, man, you need to get to know this guy because he is a phenomenal human being and I had a great time sitting down and talking to him and deep diving his new book. Also, this is the first episode that we did not do in person. We connected on the social me media platform, TikTok, and I just couldn't pass up the opportunity to interview Joe DeSena. Joe, man, he, he provided a ton of value for our listeners, our community, and I'm really, really excited about it. So tune in, guys. Again, like, subscribe, share this episode if it brings you any value. Let's go. What's up, Wolfpack? Welcome back to another episode of the Adaptive Alphas podcast. I'm your host, Josh Sanchez. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. We have a special guest. I'm going to start the introduction a little bit differently because I've been deep diving you since the moment I knew you were coming on, Joe. So self-made millionaire out of college, then started a trading firm on Wall Street, then founded the Spartan Race, which is now in 45 countries. The recent host of the new CNBC TV show, No Retreat and the author of a book that is quickly becoming one of my favorites out of all of, because it's, it's in a league of its own, I think with family, tying in family with everything. The book is called 10 Rules for Resilience, and it gives you 10 principles for leading your family to true resilience. Joe, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you what, um, every day, I think we all go through some tough moments where you're like questioning what you're working on. Are you going to make it or not? Are you, when I listen to what you just said about me, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah. I wrote a book and no one's read it, but it's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah so the, the positioning, I, you know, the 45 countries is a, is a really strong positioning statement. Uh, how, what do you, what would you say? Where are you guys operating out of like consistently? Is that 10 countries? Is that 20 countries? where you guys kind of have a consistent flow with the races. You know, this is going to sound silly, but for years I was working on Switzerland and I was on with the team this morning and we just knocked out a race in Switzerland last weekend. I wasn't even tracking like, like, so um, it just took over. Uh, the team is so amazing. It's so global. It's something that is um, so exciting for any human being, whether they're tall, short, fat, skinny, Marines, monks, mobsters, moms, doesn't matter. They just, I think everybody wants to just feel alive. So yeah. um, most of those 45 countries were pretty consistent. Obviously, uh, U.S. comprises about half the participants um, annually. I would say coming out of COVID here this year will be a little light. We'll be about 1.1, 1.2 million participants around the oh. world. So 600,000 of them will be from the U.S., 600 from all the other countries. Um, next year, I'll get back to normalized. Uh, growth probably be 1.5 million registrants um, around the world. There's a lot of Spartans, a lot of mutters, a, a lot of folks out there doing doing tough stuff, which is exactly what we want. I really think that to highlight this book, to highlight you, to highlight your values, to highlight your nature, if you could share with the audience, how was COVID for you guys? Because your business is so focused on community and everyone's close and it's in different countries. So you got to travel sometimes. So how was that for you? How did you guys make it out alive? What was that like? You know, um, there's a great story of the Marines, right? In the Korean War, um, Chosin Reservoir, where they're completely surrounded and the, and the Marine commander, um, realize that they're out of ammunition. And he says to his men, really good news. 
we know exactly where they are. And so, so I would say, you know, really good news. We were shut down in 45 countries. We had a furlough of 500 people. We lost $50 million. It's amazing that I'm sitting here with you on a podcast. It's just a testament that by practicing adversity, which is what we preach and which I, what I do, you're able to better navigate really, really fucking hard times. And so for me, it was the most, it is the most challenging time I've ever experienced, but I'm able to go back to a place in my mind where I look, we have four healthy children. I have a wife who still opens the front door for me when I come home. Um, you know what I mean? We have food. Yeah. So like as bad as it is, as bad as it got, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I'm alive. Right. Right. And so was it, was there anything pivotal that happened to, to keep you guys out of going bankrupt or anything? Um, you know, any, anything, or was it just kind of the every day was some, you had to put out fires and, and deal with what was, well, everything was crazy. So we, we immediately went to the farm, the farm. It's, it's like the CIA has a farm. Spartan has a farm. It's up in Vermont. It's where Spartan was founded. Um, five key employees came up to the farm and we hunkered down. And every single day we started at 5 a.m. I mean, every day, seven days a week was like Groundhog Day. Wow. And and um, we did four live workouts a day. My kids did workouts. I filmed me waking the kids up. And the goal was simply to keep the community engaged. That was mm -hmm. it. Uh, we were lighting money on fire everywhere else because we couldn't hold events. And um, we were working with vendors and you know all our payables and just to stretch things out the best we could and hope that, you know, folks would, would understand the situation we were in, which they did. Uh, it was only one vendor that gave us a hard time. He said he was going to send um, Italians to my house to uh, collect. And I said, well, give me their names. I probably know them because I grew <laughs> up in a pretty rugged Italian neighborhood. And um, we just fought through. And I think, it was, I think it was that ability to put one foot in front of the other, um, create standards and rituals and daily routines that we were consistent with every single day. We didn't wake up and walk around in pajamas like we did the work and it's paying off. And when we come out of this completely, which I would say the next 12 months, we'll be you know, able to pat ourselves on the back and dust off our shoulders and say, oh my God, how was that? We'll say it. the reason we were able to do it was because we, we, didn't, we didn't hide in the corner. Man. Stayed in the game. And, and it's, it's also a testament to your team, right? Uh, the people that you have in your corner, the people that you have that, that you surround yourself with which is a whole, probably a whole other podcast episode in itself because recruiting, finding, building, whether it's, you know, nature, nurture, finding those team members that are really going to show up five, 5 a.m., seven days a week. That's, that's a whole other uh, conversation. So really cool. Um, I do want to pivot to the, the new TV show that you have. Man, I think it's so cool that uh, you're able to implement what you do at the farm with these executives or these small business owners or, you know, you, you, you have the gamut. You said in another podcast I listened to, you said that that was, if not harder, as hard as dealing with COVID with the business. Why is that? You mean creating the show? Yeah. It's just, um, there. I don't know how many days, 65, 75 days away from the family mm. and uh, moments of just literally standing, waiting for the cameras to roll, standing for hours, right? And just, it's one thing, I don't mind work. I don't mind doing, I don't mind shoveling, chopping wood. But um, to stand and do nothing and wait for a camera and, and try to look good, like it's not, it's not my thing. I, I, I want to do in life. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I, um, it's not that I don't want to be a teacher. It's not that I don't want to give back. But, but I, if I got to teach somebody like 
come to the farm or meet me at five in the morning, work out with me. Like I, I'm not a passive teacher. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What, um, what was the motivation to do the show? Yeah. What happened was, um, I was literally carrying my kettlebell around New York and somebody uh, was going in to meet with CNBC and they brought me up to the executive's office and I dropped my kettlebell on their desk and told them that it was my favorite show since God, uh, <laughs> since CNBC started, I, I like, I feel like I've been watching it from the very beginning. He asked me some questions and they got excited about doing a show where I apply all the crazy Spartan stuff, the methodology, the system, the, the mindset that I apply to individuals, but to businesses. And I said, we do it anyway, by the way. I mean, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Nikes, the Reba, they all come to the farm anyway. So why not, why not show other companies, especially coming out of COVID? And he said, Mark said, let's do it. So we did it. That's awesome. And I, I want to actually dive into that because that's, that's not a small feat in itself to deal with Fortune 100 companies or Fortune 500 companies and have them coming to the farm for the last 20 years. How did How'd you get your foot in the door? Was it just the, the executives were coming to the Spartan races? Was it your network? How, how did that happen? We're really lucky in that um, so many executives do races. I'll be on an airplane and you bump into the CMO of Home Depot. You're driving somewhere or whatever. You meet uh, a person that's in charge of a, a whole division of the military. And they, they know Spartan. They, they believe in the brand. And so it's a lot of incoming. I, I would say, if anything, we're not really organized, not really a business we focus on because our business is building courses on the sides of mountains all over the world during hurricanes right. and rainstorms and fires right now going on in Tahoe. So yeah, if somebody focused on it, we'd probably do a lot more of it. When it comes to that aspect of it, I, that's something that I really resonated with it, which was uh, in one of the chapters, I think it was rule number eight. I believe that's chapter eight as well of, of your new book. Uh, it's Into the Wild. And you talk about all the benefits of being in nature. You talk about Rich Richard Louvre, which is, he was an author that I read a couple of years before the pandemic started. The nature principle, I believe. He also coined the term nature deficit disorder. So learning the science behind all of the benefits of being outside uh, made me question why I haven't done a Spartan race in my, in my history. I've been doing CrossFit for about 10 years now. And for whatever reason, I think I associated Spartan with tough, tough mutter, which is more of the casual, like, let's drink a beer after we're done with it. And so it never really resonated. And um, so I just, I was like, no, nah, that's, that's, not, that's not interesting to me. But really diving into your, your background, your book, your show, I'm like, man, I've been missing out for all these years on a Spartan race. So I just wanted to, to mention that. How's the show doing? I mean, do you guys have the analytics? Are you guys going to do another season? Yeah, the show did well, um, but it did really well, oddly, in the afternoon after motocross. CNBC had a few episodes of motocross. I don't know why. And they put mm -hmm. it after, and it did really, really well. So somehow the folks that like to watch motocross like to watch this show. Maybe right. because there's a connection with all the mud and the dirt. And like you said, the wild. We're waiting to see. We'll see if there'll be another season. Um, it would be great for the business. Uh, not great for me personally to, to run around the world and, and, and do more of that. But it is what it is. Um, somebody told me a long time ago, you take care of the business so that the business could take care of you. Right. Um, that's, that's great advice. As far as you never doing an event and, and being um, more, you know, more indoors, focused on CrossFit, which is obviously hard work. Where are you physically located? Uh, we're located in Salt Lake City, Utah. You're in, you're in Utah. We have an amazing event in Utah. We have, we have a bunch of events not too far away from you. I would say, I would challenge you okay. um, to um, go out, 
to 300 listeners, 300 folks that, that listen to your podcast or are connected to your community. Okay. And I'll give you 300 entries. We'll tie them to charity if you want. Okay. And I, I would suggest you and those 299 go out and do this together. We'll create a whole thing around it. What you'll find, because I've been doing this for 20 plus years, your business, your followership, it will hockey stick. It will go through the roof because it's one thing to be on a podcast with folks or, like I said, do a TV show and be passive. It's another thing to be shoulder to shoulder with them. Uh, you build bonds for life. The strongest element to the entire Spartan ecosystem is the community. And again, you can go drinking with people. You go have dinner with them. But when you do hard things together, well, you know, right? You think yeah. about think about how how tight you are with the folks in the in the CrossFit box, right? So um, I would challenge you. It's on me. And Utah, Utah is great. We we, we got a great great event out there. When's your next? When's the next one coming up? You and I will find the next event that's closest, or you know, maybe your community is 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 in California, not Utah. Whatever. Well. We'll get right. you to one and, and you rally, you rally the troops. Let's um, do it. You, you and your community would love it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I was actually looking at the, the other, I think it's called the death race. I've, whatever kids camp you have, I have a 11 year old daughter. And so I was telling her about it after I was reading the book, your, your philosophy, your life, everything, you know, everything from the self-discipline to doing hard shit, facing adversity challenge. I'm a first gen immigrant. And so I experienced a lot of that growing up. My dad's owned a, a, his own business for 35 years. I've never had anything really given to me or handed to me. I've worked for everything. You know, blinding work ethic is second nature. You're putting in the time, the energy sacrificing for the future. That's kind of been my life philosophy and how Adaptive Alphas was created was creating a space for individuals that are seeking personal excellence, where it's okay to be here and say, I want to change. I, I want to strive for more. And no, I don't want to hang out with you on the weekend to watch a game and get drunk, or I don't want to spend my whole Sunday watching football. You know, let, let's do things to make each other grow. So I resonate with everything, but I'm also trying to consider the person that's on chapter one or trying to figure out how to start implementing these things in their lives. So, and you authentically being yourself, man, I resonate so deeply with, with everything that you talk about. So let's talk about the book, the 10 rules for resilience. Congratulations. I also listened to, again, the podcast you're on where you're like, I think I need a, a child psychologist or a, you know, family psychologist on here. So people don't just come for me because they really do come for you. Uh, at a post go, go viral where I said, I don't give my kids a uh, refined sugar. When my daughter comes to my, my house, um, she has no sugar. There's no candy. There's nothing. The most sugar she gets is from fruits and from maybe coconut water, but we don't have any refined sugar, processed sugar in our house. And man, I got hundreds of comments and it was insane. Hundreds of comments of saying, poor child, I can't believe like that is the worst parenting ever. She's going to be addicted to this, you know, like there was just, everyone came out was a psychologist. Everyone that came out called me like a horrible parent. I'm like, this is, this is a real thing. You know, it was, uh, it was fascinating. Is that's the exact reason this book was written was mm -hmm. because I'm, I was raising kids. I'm still raising kids. And I tried to implement exactly what you suggested. Like, Hey, let's get away from refined sugar. Let's get away from late night TV, going to bed late. Let's wake up early. Let's. And what I found was the entire world around me was, was working against me with my own kids. Mm -hmm. If we were, if we were walking outside my boys and carrying kettlebells around the neighborhood for an hour, I had people stop and check and ask the kids if they knew me, if I was pushing them too hard, did they need water? I was like, they're my children. We're fine. <laughs> We'd be out on a swim in a lake and somebody would kayak, get that kid out of the water. He should be in the... What are you talking about? It's my child. 
And right. We'd be skiing and all of a sudden people are handing them cookies. What, what are you doing? Now, all of a sudden, I'm the bad guy because we're eating a salad and you just like, right? Or you go to a bank. I'm trying to teach them how to deposit money. How does a bank work? And they're handing lollipops and can't like, so the entire world was working uh, against me and I just wanted to dig in. And my wife was really worried about writing a book because number one, you never know if you're right, right? We don't, we, we don't know the outcome yet of the kids, but our instinct was move out of the way, put obstacles in front of the kids, don't take them away. Always lean harder, um, create a really healthy environment around food. Yes, kids should sleep, but they, they don't have to wake up late to sleep. They can go to bed early to sleep. Somehow um, on social media, there's this feeling that they have to stay in bed till nine in the morning in order to get a lot of sleep, but they can go to bed at 8 p.m. I don't, I don't understand. Right. So um, you want to you want to let your kids use devices as a, as a um, you know, as a way to get them away from you and calm them down. That's on you like that. that so what I did, what my wife and I did was, listen, um, you could watch as much TV as you want, as long as it's in Mandarin. And my kids, <laughs> right. Our, our kids speak fluent Mandarin now. Right. So so um, you could turn that that detriment in, into a real um, positive that we did a little study at our kids death camp every, every summer, late June, we do this kids death camp. Your, your daughter's invited. And, awesome. um, and we had a bunch of kids and they were doing really, really well. And I said, you know what? I mean, these kids are working 14, 16 hour days. You can't believe the volume of work and let's give them some ice cream, right? Let's just, it's completely again. Let's everybody's getting some ice cream and they don't have their phones because we took their phones away. And I said, let's also give them their phones tonight because they've been crushing it. The kids, <laughs> the kids all took their phones over the ice cream, got so engrossed in their phones that the ice cream melted. Whoa. Phones are more addictive than the sugar. And sugar is as addictive as cocaine, some people say, right? Like that's well, the phone, the phone, you know, the folks in Silicon Valley have figured out how to make the phone more addictive than sugar and, and cocaine. So, um, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. What I found is that we could use that to our advantage. Now, the best, the best thing would be if Samsung and Apple came together and said, look, we know these phones are incredibly addictive. We know every kid has one. So what we're going to do is the phone gets turned off, goes black every five minutes unless the kid answers a math question or does a burpee or whatever. Like you could make the, you could literally transform the world. Uh, this new generation through through the phones, but they're not going to do that. So what right. we could do, what we could do as parents, as aunts, as uncles or whatever is, um, hey, you take the phone away. But if you do this thing, you get the phone back, uh, get your workout in, get your phone back, do your homework, get your phone. It's so addictive that it's actually helpful. Right. right. Um, so, you know, first thing in the morning when I'm waking the girls up, I'm a new, I'm embarrassed that they have phones, but the girls have phones and, um, they're having a tough time getting out of bed and it's five 45 in the morning. So I don't blame them. And I'm like, all right, I'm taking your phones. They're up out of bed. They are ready for the workout. Yeah. You got to get creative with that. 
I mean, yeah. that's one of the things I really liked about the book. In one chapter, you say, I'm going to buy you whatever technology you want, the game system, whatever, but you set those those parameters, right? You set those prerequisites before you get that game, before that you get that system. And then at one point, I think you you got your son a gaming system and he was like, ah, I don't think it was worth it because all of the <laughs> he doesn't even play it <laughs> because he set all those parameters. So, I, you know, we got to get creative. I don't own a TV. Uh, but I do own a laptop, you know, and I do own a cell phone. And so even I, you know, I, I don't want to be holier than that because I, I fall victim to that as well. Like just growing our brand on TikTok itself, I have to go on TikTok, I have to comment. And then I find myself engrossed in that algorithm. And I'm like, what did I just spend 10 minutes of mindlessly scrolling on this thing? And it was, it was like that. So yeah, man, we, we've got to figure some stuff out. But to your point with the environment, I think environment is so crucial for people and that's one of the things I wish I could sit down with some of these parents or some of these people commenting back on these on these social media platforms or even our audience and say, you know, there's no when when there's not when that's not in your environment, it's an afterthought. You don't think about it. You don't, when, if you don't have a choice or decision to consume unhealthy foods or consume electronic devices or play that video game system out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And so some of the biggest challenges that I'm sure you've come across and what I've come across with this kind of different lifestyle is it is the influence of her peers that add pressure to that situation because the kids are adaptable. So I've got a gauge on raising kids in a similar way that I have. And these kids are turning out to be super successful. My older sister, two of her kids are killing. One of them is killing in Hollywood. And the other one is a, a producer. My uh, niece, Eliana, was a co-star for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hobson Shock. So that's his daughter in that movie was my 10 year old niece. And then my 13 year old nephew at the time, my 13 year old nephew then signed a deal with a huge record label as a producer. And now they're 16, 17 or 15 and 16, I think, or 14 and 16. And um, they're making awesome choices. They eat whole foods, they eat real foods, farm to table, preferably they travel everywhere. Like they are just super successful. They don't have an affinity towards refined foods, processed foods. And they're just killing it. And I'm like, they're leaders in their own right. That's kind of, for me, the only example I need. And it's weird because we don't have a lot of those examples. And so, yeah, man, like, I guess we're going to need life to catch up in the next decade or two to say, hey, look, this, this way of parenting, even though it seems like yeah, we're lieutenants or generals or it's really, it's really more akin to how we're naturally born, whether you believe in evolutionary, evolution or God adversity, challenge, eating real food, not consuming big foods products. It's like, that's more normal than not. Again, it's, it's so powerful. So I, I love everything you say about that. You have so many great stories. I got a couple of stories. Let's get into it. So at one of our death camps, our kids' death camps, unbeknownst to me, this was the first year, I didn't know the kids were texting their parents at mm -hmm. night. They were doing the work during the day. Everything seemed to be going well. But at night before bed, they were texting, get me the hell out of here. This guy's nuts. This is a prison. This is not a camp. I can't believe you sent me here. Mom and dad, you would both die. You could never handle this. You have to get, help me escape. And um, one of my friends sent me the text because, you know, and him and his wife were awesome. They were writing back to their son, Patrick. And again, I didn't know any of this was going on. They were like, oh, it sounds like a Peloton class. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, are you fucking crazy? This guy is nuts. We're in cold water at 5 a.m. We're doing push-ups. You would never last. And, he, and they said, oh, it sounds like you'll get a six-pack. And they just wouldn't take the bait. Yeah. Completely losing his mind. 
And, um, and then, and then because I, I got that information, I took away all phones. What's amazing is once I took the phones away, the kids do the work. They literally just do the work. Parents, on the other hand, when I have adults come to the farm and do that, they don't make it through. Mm. They're able to quit. They can go find their car keys. They could find out how to get home. The kids can't, right? So that's interesting to me. Some of the other stories are, you know, listen, we've had tons of people um, come to the farm over the years and they start to build a resilience because they talk to each other and the new people coming in, they know what I've done in the past. And I, one year, I don't know when it was, 2012, 2011, the death race was over. It was complete. We had already made a decision of who finished and who didn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there were 12 or 18 people that had been cut during the race. One of them had no shoes. His feet were duct taped. They looked like the walking dead. And they said, we're not done, Mr. DeSena. We're, we're continuing on. We're going to finish this thing. And I said, you don't understand. It's, it's Monday morning and, and the race is over. There's no insurance. I'm going to bed. I've been up since <laughs> Thursday. Like it's over. I'll see you guys right. later. But we're not done. We're going back out into the woods. We're going to complete the 18 mile track. We're going to do the three mile swim. We're coming back and we're going to get our skulls. The skull is the trophy for completion. And I said, you guys are nuts. Like it's over. And I, I went into my house and I realized, okay, this could be a dangerous situation. So I hit up my staff and I said, do me a favor, go like three miles into the woods and just block the road, block the trail with the cars and the trucks <laughs> and turn these, turn these knuckleheads around. I really have to go get some sleep. They call me a little bit later and they're like, Hey, we got a problem. I said, what? He said, Literally, it was like the Walking Dead, Joe. They just crawled over our cars and would not stop. They continued. They're completely obsessed. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to bed. I go back to bed. My wife wakes me up. Oh, my God. We have no insurance. It's going to be a problem. We have to go get them. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I can't. They're, they're adults. What do you want me to do? We drive. She throws me in the car. She's like eight months pregnant with our fourth child. We drive all the way around, which is like 35 miles. We're on the other side at the entry of this, this very cold reservoir where they were headed. My wife sees them and eight month pregnant mom goes nuts. And they all put their heads down and they all climbed into a suburban, which, which, which looked like a, a carnival because there were so many people that stunk because they hadn't showered in four or five days. And my pregnant wife, and she drove them all back to the farm and put them you know, in their cars and sent them home. That was a funny story because it just shows you how we, we become obsessed as human beings. And, um, and they just didn't, they couldn't find the off switch. Um, I got a million, a yeah. million stories. No, I um, love that. I love that. I think, I think it's, it's important to, to point out the, the nature of humans. Like, I don't remember where I saw this, but it was, it was someone where it was just, candidly like just just try to imagine this for a second he's like human beings can out endurance every animal on this planet and he's like and the animals that we didn't out endurance or outrun or you know outlast in in the form of like hunting we made our our pets like we made them our allies and and now they like we're their masters so he's like now imagine that you are an animal just an an animal that's getting hunted by a by a human and you, you sprint 45 miles per hour and you're doing that for five, 10 minutes and you can't see this thing that's coming at you. And then all of a sudden over the horizon, you see this thing is coming at you. 
And so you do it again and you do it again and you continue to just out, you know, out sprint, out, outpace, and this thing's not stopping. And then to, to where you get to a point where you're so exhausted as that animal getting hunted by this human that you just give up and this human kills you and, and consumes you as food. Like that's what you are, this ultimate endurance adaptation machine. And I thought it was so cool to just like think about that. And now imagine the sedentary lifestyle of what we're living now, which is nowhere near. I think there's some scientists that say that we're, we've evolved to run or jog 45 miles a day or something, something crazy, right? It's so interesting. I do want to highlight an aspect of something that I've, I've really tried to quantify with my own kids, which is failing forward and, and getting really familiar with failure. I think some of the stuff that you talk about in your book is so needed from the story of your son getting involved in wrestling, I believe. And, you know, he's not doing too well, or he just lost a match. Do you remember the advice that you gave him? You're like, I failed, you know, and you're like, if you want to share it, it would be better. I I think there's so many stories, but I think it was the one, like, you got to fail like a thousand more times before you win. So like, like, I I don't know what you were. You got 999 to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel like you got to lose about seven hundred more matches before you become good at this thing. Right. Also, the thing that you pointed out, which I'm, I'm now excited. I've been looking into girls wrestling for my eleven year old. She loves to wrestle, so I think she's going to love the sport. But who knows? Um, is something that you pointed out was a lot of the monks, the successful business owners, the professional, like the the top tier athletes, all had a a, a commonality of wrestling at a young age. Is that right? That, that was you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. Do you do you want to share a little bit of the? Yeah, like I, I didn't know when when I when I started to build Spartan, I got invited uh, to a lot of military events. I got to know a lot of the military. I got to know a lot of the fighters, the UFC, and I I had no idea that um, the wrestling mindset was born out of you know that decade grind, that decade long grind. The wrestling room um, is a very resilient creature. Um, they get back to what you described, this endurance machine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's no surprise then that, you know, the Navy SEALs, the Rangers, Delta, et cetera, they're all looking for that wrestler as, as, um, as their foundational piece of clay that they can then mold uh, in their way. And, and it's no different um, in the UFC or, or anywhere um, that requires, you know, discipline, strength, commitment. So, um, so I fell in love with the sport as I learned more, my kids got into it. Mm-hmm. My wife wouldn't let my daughters do it. I wish they were. My daughters do soccer, much, much easier sport, yeah, yeah. much easier. Still, Still a great sport. Great sport. You know, shame on me. One lesson I would give anybody listening that has parents or that has kids that it's a parent, mm-hmm. I would say, you have to let the kids know why, like we all need to know why, why am I doing the podcast? Why am I doing the show? Why am I building this business? Why marriage? Why kid? You got to know why. You got to have a, your purpose, why figured out. And shame on me with the kids. I never really got into the why. Like, yeah, dad wants us to be tougher and stronger, or whatever. But it's very hard to get into a good college. If you believe in college, you want to get into a good school. The competition's pretty stiff, especially from immigrants from all over the world, right? Uh, uh, other countries, everybody's fighting for those few spots at these mm-hmm. top schools. I learned that if we pick the sports that all kids play, it's just as tough then because there's so many kids playing football or, you know, you pick the sport. But if you get into the fringe sports, if you get into wrestling, if you get into rowing, which also happened to be 
rugged sports that build resilience, which are great attributes that all, all people should, you know, obtain or, or uncover because we have, we have it from years ago. It's just buried in bonbons right now. <laughs> we got to uncover that resilience. Um, yeah, it's easier to get into these schools. And so we're just, we're just seeing it as our, in our family. Um, it's not a gimme, but it's easier. Um, and, and, you know, you remember what happened with that varsity blue scandal, not too long ago, like you don't have to do anything illegal. You just, you gotta, you gotta keep your grades up and you gotta find a fringe sport and you gotta be halfway decent at it. You got a good shot at getting into Harvard. I, I think you're a great um, example of that too, because you have been successful for a certain amount of years. So I'm sure your kids uh, could be as well off as as you know the the so so many other very successful people. But you still you know you're still challenging them and and creating these awesome principles and things that I think are gonna definitely um, mold some awesome and amazing adults and amazing humans. And they're amazing regardless, but it's just, I th think that's a conversation that a lot of people want to talk about, which is when you do reach, reach a level of success or have a nice financial cushion at, and your kids can have virtually anything. Um, and you, well, you want be to careful because I think, I think um, privilege is, is, is a negative on, on, um, on kids. I right. think if we, if we had our way, Look, if I was, if you and I were president, I, I would, I would argue all kids should go through some sort of rite of passage. They should get everything taken away, their phone, this, that. They should struggle. They should live outside in a tent, right? They should not have food for a while. Um, privilege, Uber Eats, all these things, the nice house, all the stuff I have for my, that's not, you're not doing the kid a favor. Right. Right. I completely agree with that. I, I think the more that I, I'm, I'm reading your book, I think the next step for you, and maybe you've already thought about this, is you're just going to create a new like Montessori style school that's going <laughs> to implement all these things. The Spartan, uh, the Spartan school for kids. It would be my dream. It would be my dream. It would be on the farm. Would take mm -hmm. you know take kids. Um, it would be my dream. My my yeah. dream would be that the military would pay me to do all this. Wow. So you you actually have thought about that. Oh, absolutely. But That's I, you know, awesome. how many, how many things could you do? But that, when I think about my purpose and what I want to do in life, I would, I would love, love to create a school. Yeah, man. Because I, I was me and my, um, 11 year old. So I have a, a one year old, and 11 year old and, uh, my 11 year old, I've been reading a lot about rituals and everything that you've been saying. I was like, Hey, we're going to find a rite of passage for you. Like we we're going to create it. And it wasn't direct. Like, Hey, you're going to do this. It was more when I spoke about it, she's like, I want to do something like that. Like I want to write a passage. I'm like, you're, you know, as a female, you kind of have those biological differences that happen and, and you have those conversations. It's, it was more towards, I'm reading a book called the boy crisis and, um, dealing with men's development and stuff. I'm just, it's, it's a whole industry that I've, been drowning in for the last, uh, seems like year, but, um, yeah, when, when we, when I read the book and, and especially I, I was like, maybe this is her rite of passage, but maybe you have better ideas. Maybe, you know, of other programs for, you know, well, I'd, love, I, I'd love to have her with my daughters, um, uh, at the, at the death camp in, in June. So that would be, that would be a good one. And then I would start with, uh, bringing her, you and her together, um, along with your 299 disciples should go do a, a race together. Um, I'm amazed at the hundreds of thousands of kids around the world, every country that do these events and, uh, it completely transforms the kid.
So um, start with one of our events. It's on me. And then, and then let's work our way toward June where we, we level up. She'll, yeah. she'll kick, she'll kick and scream and cry like my daughters, but, um, and my, and my boys, but, uh, they come out the other side, better human beings. She, she, my daughter has this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, another, another way she, she looks at it and she's like, that's going to be easy dad. I got that. That's easy. I'll do it. She does. She doesn't even, even though she doesn't have the capacity <laughs> to back that, that confidence up. She's like, that's it. I can do that. I'm like, I don't know if you heard what I said that they do at this camp. They wake up earlier and earlier for, you know, cumulative two weeks. They move huge rock. Like they go climb mountains. Like, I don't, you don't do that. You don't even do that in my house. You know, you don't do any of that stuff. So the, her confidence is whatever's going to get her there. Yeah. That's, that's all that matters. Last thing I do want to just kind of end on the importance of, of having a why so you can endure it, you know, and you can overcome anyhow. Um, I think that's so important. I think, you know, for me, I've done consulting with uh, businesses here in Silicon Slopes, which is our rendition on Silicon Valley here in Utah. I've just come in to purely do that for organizations. Define your values, define your North Star, define all of that and really live those secondary values, first values. Like what, what does the culture currently look like? What are you guys aspiring to? What are your aspirational values? And seeing how important that is for businesses to be successful yet, but how important the individual and the family unit, how impactful those are to keep you guys on track. Like, why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you waking up at 5 a.m.? Why are you working out? Why are you working out so hard? Why are you working so hard towards your business? There's got to be the reasons, right? And so what's something quickly that, that, you know, you could leave the audience with that you would say, you know, this has been that fast track for that? I would say selfishly, and it ties into something I wanted to cover anyway, I would say selfishly, it's very, human beings are motivated by the avoidance of discomfort, okay? We want to avoid discomfort at all costs. More, more than we want to take drugs, more than we want to drink, more than we want to eat, more than sex, we want to avoid discomfort. Kept more than sex? Yeah, more, more than anything. We, we don't want okay. to do anything uncomfortable. That, like, okay. you, wake, you wake up in the morning, you, want to, you have the, the greatest intention to go work out, uh, you're, you're looking at your phone, you're making coffee, you're doing anything but workout. You got to catch yourself. Right. You, you found yourself doing it and swiping up for 10, 10 minutes, right? And, and, um, and looking at social media. It has what's kept us alive on the planet. We don't freeze to death. We don't fall off a cliff because we're constantly avoiding discomfort. And the brain requires so much energy that the brain is saying, don't expend that energy, man. That's dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. So given that fact, the way you can stay on track is by having a why. Like, like, like for me, it's really uncomfortable to run this business. It's really hard, but I want to change a hundred million lives. And as long as I say that a thousand times and I say it publicly and I stick to it. And then when times get really hard or I'm, I'm not looking at like, okay, but I'm, I got to change lives. I got to, that was my deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So the cheat, the biohack for all of us to stay healthy is to have a date on the calendar. Whether it's a boxing match, uh, a, a, a wedding, I notice a lot of people are—they're going to get married. They're getting in shape because they want to look good in their photos. You got to have something on the calendar. For us, it's Spartan races, Tough Mudders. Get something on the calendar. I'm launching a global pass in the next <laughs> month, first time ever, where somebody for nine years could fill up their calendar. Not this pass wow. gives you nine years of filling your calendar with why wow. I'm making it really easy. It's, it's paint by, you know, color by numbers here. Are we getting the exclusive? Like, have you already announced this or? 
I, I, it's, it's leak. It has leaked out in the last five days, but you're getting more information than most. Okay. okay. Um, somebody in our company leaked, leaked it out, which was annoying. Um, ah, so yeah. So the idea is look, whether you, I don't know what's going to tickle you. You might want to do a mountain bike race. You might want to do a trail run. You might want to do a Spartan or a Tough Mudder or a hiking event. We have all those brands within our, within our umbrella brand, Spartan. So take this pass, sign up for as much shit as you can, create your why for the next nine years. And then you're going to like this. It's a little, it's a little fun. I'm going to build a memorial with, with the mayor of Sparta. We've been working on a memorial. It's 35 foot high. Spartan helmet, rusted Spartan helmet with 300 tombstones around it representing the 300. Those that have the pass will have a little stone supporters. We've all supported this effort, this monument. Mm -hmm. um, and under your stone, you could put your ashes when you die. So imagine living in eternity. Let's go. Imagine living in eternity with the 300. Like who wants to go to some boring cemetery somewhere when it's all over? I want to be with the 300. So, wow. So I just, I'm just getting ready to launch this thing in like the next 30 days. And, um, and that, you know, I hadn't considered it the way you said it. It's really mm -hmm. creating your why. That's what mm -hmm. it is. Let's take my daughter and your kid, right? Let's take my daughter and we're going to, over the next nine years, from 11 years old to 20, we're going to travel the world. We're going to do a bunch of events. And she knows when it's all over, we're going to be buried together in Sparta. Wait, so are you going to do this with your kids? Yeah. I got to, by the way, my family doesn't know. So tomorrow I'm going to do a live on Instagram and let my family know that we're all getting buried in Sparta. See how that goes. <laughs> Bro, I love that. I gave me goosebumps while you're talking about it. Just thinking about that. Um, I don't know who, what creative team or who kind of, who was leading this idea, but whoever it is, if it was you give yourself a raise, give this person a raise because that's genius. Like you have intrinsically tied into my, I, I don't even want to give it away, but like amazing. Can you do me a favor? I don't know anything about Discord, but apparently we're starting a Discord channel, Spartan Discord group. Okay. We're, we're all the maniacs mm -hmm. that want to be buried there are, are joining. Um, so I got to get you in there. You, you know anything about this yeah. Discord thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Discord oh, is yeah. uh, is basically the platform to introduce NFTs or anyone into Web3. So yeah, I can't think of a better way to end the podcast. Um, I didn't, I didn't think I could like the Spartan brand more until you just said that. It's like, it, it gets me stoked. I'm like, what, how do I, how do I get a part of that? So for sure, um, Wolfpack, follow Joe DeSeno. Where, where can, where can the Wolfpack follow you? What, uh, where, where can they go? Go to real Joe DeSeno on Instagram and get in this discord Spartan channel, which I'm going to get into here soon. And let's, um, let's, let's form. It's gotta be the first group ever. Well, maybe not the first group ever. Years ago, they probably did something like this, where we we band together with our own um, monastery and place of final, our final resting place. We, like, I don't know. it's gonna be, it's crazy, <laughs> bro. It's crazy. I still, my mind is still trying to compute what you just said. Like, I'm still trying to chew on it. It's like that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm out of a million people, like you have people who are gonna be so stoked on this. That's awesome. Is it? What's the price point look like? For our audience do you know three, yet three grand three thousand dollars nine years three thousand for nine years joe that's yeah. a steal it's too cheap it's it's probably gonna have to go up in price as demand um yeah we're figuring it we're figuring it out we weren't ready like i said somebody leaked it so we're figuring it out
Three, $300, $300, yeah, $300 a year, basically. Um, average race is $125. So it's, it's going to cost you, yeah, it'll cost you like 10 bucks a race or something. I mean, it's nothing. It's stupid. Nothing. You have limited spots for this? We're going to do, yeah, we're going to do 15,000 spots because okay, gotcha. we've got That's ten, where yeah, I'm ten, like, oh. gotcha. 10 million people, um, 15,000 sounded like the right number. And just for my own um, data, what what does it cost per race? I don't even know how much it costs to, to enter a Spartan race. About one hundred and twenty-five. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that man. You, that, those spots are going to fill up fast. Yeah, we're psyched. I'll fill you in, and um, you, you you're getting a spot next to me in Sparta. Let's go! All right, Joe. Well, I appreciate it again, man. Thank you everything for everything that you're doing from your books to your businesses to just you as a person. The first time I was introduced to you was off a video of you carrying those kettlebells. I don't even know who you were, your brand, just that you're carrying a kettlebell around, doing hard shit. Um, keep being that beacon, man. I know you will. And so uh, it's just so cool to, to see that there's still people out there that are in their right mind. Um, and so so thank you. And uh, again, Wolfpack, follow him. Uh, go go do his stuff. Let's join his Discord. Let's let's make some noise with this. this what are you calling it again? Global Pass. The, the Spartan, it's co- actually, it's called the Unbreakable Pass because we want to make you unbreakable. The Unbreakable Pass. All right, Wolfpack, until next time. What's up, guys? I knew you'd like this episode. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Here are the details for the 300 tickets and how I'm going to go about it. It's going to be pretty simple for you guys to get the tickets. First, email contact at adaptivealphas.com. Put in the headline, Spartan Race tickets. We're going to have give you access to about four or five different uh, races over the coming months. There's a few things that I'm working on with the Spartan team. Now, I d- I've never done a Spartan race before. Originally, the idea was let's all meet up, all 300 of us, at one specific Spartan race. But because the next one is all the way into July, I didn't want anyone to miss out, or I know most of my audience isn't just in Utah. This podcast itself has reached 67 different countries. So if you're on the West Coast, we got you. California, San Diego, and SoCal. If you are in um, Central Time or Arizona area, we also got you. If you're on the East Coast, there's a the Spartan Race coming up for in Florida. Now, these tickets aren't cheap, but the fact that Joe offered us community members the tickets I think is really cool. So last thing, again, shoot the email, contact at Adaptive Alphas. Again, the the reason that we are opening it up to more and sooner races is because I, I want to make sure it's accessible to everybody who wants to rise to the challenge as well, because he's challenging me. Now I'm challenging you, my community. And I believe in my heart of hearts, the Adaptive Alphas community is the toughest community out there. So let's show the Spartan team that that's the case. If you guys have any questions, reach out to me, send me a message on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, just shoot me a message. I hope more than anything, you guys rise to the challenge, put a date on your calendar, get these tickets. But I know the Wolfpack is going to be really hard to beat. You guys are going to be really, really hard to beat. So let's go.